Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. And don't forget, if you have questions every week, we like to try and take some time to answer those questions. I think lately it's actually been a uh, rant, uh, kind of here or there as we're doing. I, I know we're planning to do a Q&A episode coming in the next couple of weeks, uh, but we'd love to know those questions. We'd love to be able to take time, uh, whether in a weekly podcast or in a special Q&A episode where we can answer those questions. If you do have those questions as they come up, whether while we're discussing things or you're reading along in the plan, uh, you can do two things. One, you can send them in to info at grove.church, shoot an email to info at grove.church. Or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Marysville, Washington. We have a campus as well in Snohomish, but that's who we are. Uh, I'm excited about this podcast because we're deep diving into the book of Romans. uh, And it's such a phenomenal book. We're taking two weeks to do it. So uh, this is part one. We're excited about it. But uh, Romans is a phenomenal book. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to deep dive in it with Evan today. He's brilliant. I'm just a good commentator. We're both, you know. We can talk about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, we can. I'm uh, pretty much it, let, let, letting you into the curtain. We spend probably 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes before we actually record a podcast talking about other things. So um, Evan and I have good, good conversations. Rep, repartee, as yeah, it were. Good rapport. Um, but whether, whether we're always right, that's another question. But I'm uh, always right. Evan's a little shady. Fair enough. Uh, to get into the book, though, we're not going to spend a ton of time on the context around Romans just because like it's... It's dense, so in in the best way, but we need to like actually get into it to even, Mm -hmm. this will still be like a very cursory overview, but to get as much content. The first eight chapters, we're only going to tackle eight chapters a day too, so. Um, But as far as a little bit of context, the book of Romans was written in, uh, by Paul in AD 57. um, And then at that time, Paul had not yet been to Rome. So remember, eventually he will go to Rome. At this point, he has not yet been there. Um, And so what we see is Paul very much wants to communicate this is the gospel. Yeah. Um, and so that's why Paul, or not Paul, Romans is often referred to as Paul's systematic theology, yeah. um, which is a, a phenomenal book. Yeah, it's, it's a fancy word, meaning it's Paul's step-by-step analysis of who God is, what the gospel is. It's kind of working through all of the different themes of, of what yeah. he's preaching about. Um, it's really great. Yeah. And so Paul... It's, it's a book I took a class on in Northwest when I was... Uh, you know, my alma mater, shout out, I guess. Shazam. Uh, not Liberty, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but it, and even then, it was so deep, we couldn't we couldn't tackle it all. I, and I think um, that's just, a, it just shows you how deep and, and, and wide this book really is. Um, but yeah, it's... Well, I know for sure, I do not remember which pastor, but there was a pastor that I remember where it was, um, I think it was two and a half years in Romans was the the amount of messages that, that they did to, to get through the books. So, so that's pretty, that's amazing. It's pretty into, and it's funny. Cause you say that and you're like, cause what's that come out to like a hundred and eight, 104, 104 messages. So two and a half. Well, yeah. So you got to figure he took a break during Christmas, right? You that, said, that's you probably, true. You that's probably true. So we'll say a hundred. But if you told me a hundred messages on Romans, I'd be like, you could get there. <laughs> that wouldn't be too di- Easily. difficult. Um, so there you go. So to kind of jump into the book, uh, we won't spend a ton of time on just the beginning part. It's kind of Paul's normal uh, greetings that he gives at the mm-hmm. beginning of every other epistle. Um, but he do loves, uh, he do loves, he, he do does. Loves. I do love, do loves. I do love this thought that Paul ends that section on in Romans 1, uh, 16 through 17, which is a really famous verse from Romans. 
Uh, but he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is righteous, in it is the righteousness of God. Oh my goodness. In for it the in, righteousness of God. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So Paul... You're going to see if you, as you read through the book of Romans, which you already have been, that's part of the reason why we're jumping into it this week is because you spent the probably the last 10 days or so reading through Romans if you're staying in with the reading plan. Uh, but you're going to find there's so many verses that are easy to pull out. Though You can throw them on a wall, you can tweet them or put them as a Facebook status, whatever works for you. But uh, these books, the, the, these verses are so rich and well thought and, and read and written. So... Uh, I mean, that that verse for I am, I, mean, I think of different people who have already, they talk about it all the time. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the yeah. gospel. It's because they're quoting first or There's Romans 116. Triple E song 116, where it's like, you know. Well, but that's, Triple E's a, uh, he's a, a rapper who's Christian. Yeah. Um, same with Lecrae, but they have this literally, it's a 166 group, and it's because it's based on Romans 116. I don't know if you knew that. That's 166, so. though. 116. One, oh, one, one, six. I thought yes. you said one, six, six. No, one, right. one, six. Well, that makes more sense. Yes. So. Um, and that's then, their point. They're not ashamed of the gospel. They're, they're going to be Christians and followers of Christ and do all that. So love it. Anyways, total um, note, so if you're, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you may have heard, this was really popular when I was a kid. I haven't heard it talked about as much, but the Romans road, um, mm -hmm. which is essentially the idea of you can walk someone who's curious about Christianity through the book of Romans. And it pretty much is a step-by-step Yep. Indica like, here's what sin is. Here's why, like all these different things. So we're going to basically go down the Romans road. Yeah. Um, we're just going to take highlights of verses that we really like. Um, but the first step on the Romans road, just like the first step to anyone's salvation is uh, an awareness of our own sinfulness. So not the funnest chapters of Romans, <laughs> but that's where we're going to start. And you'll find with Paul that these are essential. Absolutely. Paul, Paul is, I mean, he, he himself is aware of his own sinfulness. He himself, he calls, he's the worst of sinners, what he says mm -hmm. himself to himself. And so um, I think this is essential to the gospel um, because you don't, you don't recognize you need a savior too. You recognize how wretched you really are. So, well, and we're going to get, it's a little teaser. We're going to actually talk a little bit more about this on the, the one question that we're answering at the end of the podcast, but there is something to be said for um, even in the culture we live in, where it's very much like, ignore most of the bad things you've done except for a few. And then we just have, we live affluent lives as mm -hmm. it were. So we, it can feel like we need God less, yeah. which is a, it's true. It's a big problem to get into. Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned for that question. So anyways, uh, Romans, the very next verse after 17, we're going to read 18 through 25. And this is Paul just kind of shooting straight through into the, the sinfulness of man as it were. Yeah. Uh, but for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, which is also a theme in Romans. Uh, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, 
in their foolish hearts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to dishonoring their body of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of, about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. All right, so first little section there. Um, what a bummer of a passage. It's true. Well, I I do love the the picture of they exchanged the truth of God yeah. for a lie. Um, and what Paul is kind of getting at in this this whole section here, and, and he talks about a lot in Romans. We can't get to, can't get into all of it, but essentially that God has revealed Himself in nature. Um, like maybe without without the special revelation of the Bible, you can't get to you know who Christ is and 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 the fact that He died for our sins and resurrected and all those different things. But um, you can certainly get from nature, just looking at it, studying it, that there's something else that's going yeah, on absolutely. here. So that's kind of what Paul is getting at a little bit, and he's saying that people have exchanged the truth of of who God is uh, for the lies that they want to believe. Whether mm-hmm. it's um, you know you can talk about the polytheistic religions of the, of the time, or also even kind of just like, and he, he's here, he's talking to a very Hellenistic culture, but you know, the, the Greek philosophy that'd be going to take yeah. over and all those different things. So it is interesting. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's, um, it, I, and man, I don't, there's so much to it, but I think that it's important. <laughs> like, even as I've already kind of alluded to, like understanding the wrath, understanding our sinfulness, it's important because the gospel starts with God. You know, it, it, it's Jesus. It's the it's it's Jesus dying on the cross. It's taking the sins of the world. It's it's being rose, raised raised again. Um, but really, it's this picture like there was no need for a savior until sin existed, and because of sin, the wrath of God has to be poured out. Right. And we have to start with our recognition of the gospel. We can't get to Jesus without God first. And so I think that that's part of like that systematic approach is Paul is is building this case, and you're going to see this in Romans. You already have seen it in Romans. Um, that it's it's not just the gospel, but it's this is where it starts is the wrath of God and sin, and then it continues on. And so, um, but it's it, it, it's it's a bummer of a passage, and and even I mean the, it answers some of the questions like why is the why is the world so so caught up in in so many different lustful issues or identity issues or things like that? It's like well, people have rejected truth. They've rejected the the simple truth that there is a God yeah. um, who created everything and so and these are not these are not new struggles of people no either. not at these all are, these are and timeless that, and that's the beauty I think first off of God's word but even more so of Romans and the systematic approaches it speaks directly to our culture and society today when we renounce the truth when we renounce the fact that there is a God who loves uh, loves us like crazy when there is a God who created things who's all powerful and we choose to reject that truth it leads us down a path. God allows us to walk away. Yeah. God allows us to be filled with lust and, and to, to pursue those those things. So there you go. Um, but lest you think that you were better because you have the divine revelation in Romans chapter two, Paul says this: Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Okay, so. Paul is also kind of going after, he's going after the Jews in this particular yeah. area as well. Um, but he's all, he, more specifically, he's going after the hypocrisy of people. Mm-hmm. And this is something we see as a problem. Pretty much all the Old Testament prophets are talking about this. And Jesus talks about this a yep. ton. So, and it's not a specifically Jewish thing either. It's all people it's everywhere <laughs> yep, are, are hypocrites. But he's yep. saying, 
don't think that you're better because you're telling people not to do these things, but even you with the, the divine revelation are falling short. You're missing the mark. You're sinning. You're doing these things that you're telling people not to do. Yeah. So, um, and how easy it is to get caught in our own little world. We're like, oh, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Oh, yeah. we're still just as bad. We're still just as fallen. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite quotes, I think I've, I mentioned it a ton of times, I'm sure on this, but uh, it's a, no, never. it's a Brandon Manning quote where he says, you know, what our stance as Christians is that we're beggars um, showing other beggars where we found bread. So we're not, we're not better than anyone. Yeah. We're just- Was that from the Ragamuffin Gospel? Yeah. That's from a different, okay. Ragamuffin, I think. It's been a long time since I read that. If you haven't read Ragamuffin Gospel, book. yeah, read that. Also his autobiography, All His Grace is very good as well. So anyway. <laughs> the book I have of his that I haven't read yet, but that's a different podcast. There you be. Uh, okay, so getting Romans on- Romans 3. Getting on to the next section, uh, Romans 3, 19 to 20, and this kind of wraps up the, uh, just reminding all of us that we're sinners. Um, it says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So this is a really important point because Paul's contention in Romans and, and the, the contention of the mm-hmm. gospel in general is that we cannot be saved through our own perfect action, namely because we're broken and sinful people mm-hmm. and no one has ever actually been perfect, yeah. excluding Jesus. But show <laughs> other, others show up. Other than, <laughs> other than God incarnate, no yeah. one has ever lived a perfect sinless life. And so, um, and we'll see in the next section, he's going to say the famous Romans 3.23 verse, which we'll, yeah. we'll get to here in a little bit. But the idea is for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. So yeah. it's it's an important well, and even It even teases a different conversation too, in the sense where it says, you know, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And, and he, Paul addresses this elsewhere too. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's just the mm-hmm. idea of like, I, I don't know how sinful I am until I actually start seeing the standards of holiness that exist in, in, in the law. And, uh, and so when we recognize that the law is meant to reveal to us just how broken and fallen we really are, it should draw us back to, to the need for a savior and yep. rejoicing in the need for a savior and the fact that Jesus is the savior. So, um, but yeah, it's incredible. I mean, well, I've heard it said that um, the the law shows us that we're sick and then Christ is the cure. Yeah. So if, um, you know, if all of a sudden you just start having to get poison shot through your body and you're being told that this is a good thing, you're like, what are you talking about? But if you have the diagnosis of cancer and then yeah. All of a sudden you're doing it. So the, yeah. the law is the diagnosis. The gospel is the prognosis, I guess, if you want to say for sin. So um, it's not that the law is obsolete, which Paul gets into in Romans as well, yeah. but it's that it, it points us, like you said, it should, it should turn our affections to God, not yeah. away from God. All right. So this next section uh, we'll call God's salvation for sinners. If we call the first section, uh, God's wrath against sinners. Um, so right out of the last section, Paul explains who Jesus is. So this is, I believe it's the next verses. Yeah. So it's Romans 3, 21 mm-hmm. through 25. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. And just as a quick aside way saying there is that, you know, obviously he's talking about Jesus, but he's also referring to the fact that, um, when you look in the old Testament, the law and the prophets, th- so there's references to who Christ will be in the first five books of the Bible. And there's also references to who he will be in the prof- in the prophetic books. Yeah. So this is, Jesus isn't coming out of left field, um, contrary to what some people will say. Uh, the righteousness of God through, f- 
through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, though the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He has passed over sins. That's a big word, Evan. Forbearance? Propitiation. Propitiation. Oh, yeah. That's like... Uh, I don't know why we, I mean, I guess we translate it as propitiation just because it's like tradition and stuff, but you could basically say like, it's an exchange. Um, it's a better way to say it. Yeah. So, I mean, propitiation probably is the better word if yeah. you know what it means, but so it's just, it's like a, it's an interesting word. To the interesting thing about this, and I don't know why it's never stood out to me until just now, but like for all of sin and fall short of glory of God, that's, that's a verse a lot of people in the Christian world know and hear, mm -hmm. but they never followed up. Like it's almost like John three sixteen, but then what about three seventeen, right? Right. But they never fall out and are justified. Like for all of sin and fall short of glory, and they're justified by His grace as a gift. Yep. And how easy, like it's it's just funny. I don't know why it stood out to me now, but it did. So well, and you're welcome for that. And those two verses are like the crux of the argument: is yep. that we have all sinned, but we're justified by His grace, yeah. which is a gift. We all we are given. We all are given grace. We're not justified. It's a gift. We all get it. Yeah. We're not justified by our works. Um, we're justified by faith. We're yep. justified by the yep. grace of God. So, and that's an important thing I think for all Christians to keep in mind because one of the um, one of the constant tilts of the human heart is to continuously try and, and earn our status before God. Yeah. And you'll see this with it's every other religion, um, but also it, it it creeps its way into Christianity where all of a sudden you'll see um, you'll see churches where in order to even come in, you have to act a certain way or you have yeah. to be a certain level. You have to be at a certain level of not being a sinner. Um, when in reality, like, like that's not what Jesus did. Like yeah. Jesus had dinner with tax collectors. Now, obviously that's not to say that he didn't challenge them to stop sinning. He absolutely did, but yeah. it wasn't stop sinning and then have relationship with me. It was have relationship with me. Now go and sin no more. Dude, it's, the crazy thing is like, uh, so I just moved into a house, right? Obviously you helped me. It's true. But the, the neighbors, across the street. Uh, one of the families goes to our church, uh, which is fun. They're amazing. It's an amazing family. They, they're heavily involved and just a great, great family. The next door neighbors to them go to a different church. She's, she's a children's pastor at a different church in the area. Oh. Um, but dude, they were telling me today, I, I talked to the other neighbors um, that don't go to our church. And they were telling me about how, how much the previous owner was just, just mean. Hmm. And, and she was a pastor and she, when she talked to our realtor, she was just praying like, just, I just feel like they're just, we just want to pray the pastors. I pray for our neighbors. And so she came across like she was really the sweet lady, but dude, she was just this mean person. Uh, and like, it just, it's funny. Cause I was just talking, it's not funny, but it's, it's unfortunate because I think that's the truth of a lot of different people, yeah. but there's just this like curmudgeon attitude um, and it's, it's when I, when I look at the gospel, when I look at the systematic approach through Paul, it's just this con continual reminder of like, God, I'm a wretch. God, I'm so broken, but yet you have brought me and you have gifted me grace. It's crazy. Yeah. So anyways, no, absolutely. personal story that just happened today was kind of funny. Just hearing some of the different things she would do. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that, um, and it goes back to the Walk story of grace people, please. Yeah. It goes back to the story of, um, um, the debtor who is let off for his yep. extremely large debt, but then threw another guy in prison for a small debt. And as, as Christians, we're called to live life's lives of grace. And it amazes me how, um, how we live 
in such a graceless society. Yeah. Um, and it, it, is, it is because society is just getting more post more post Christian than yeah. anything else. Oh, it's true. But it um, I guess we'll get on a tangent but, for a little. But bit even here, but, but even as Christians, like how often do are we not living according to grace when we're on the road, when someone cuts you off, yeah, when you don't get the discount at a grocery store that you were expected to get. Don't you get don't get your free item. Like you don't, like when you get cut in line waiting for a seat at a, like how often are we graceless when as Christians, like, well, yes, the, yes, the world is, you know, is, is drifting further and further away from the gospel. Yeah. But as Christians, we should be li- still staying close to the gospel and how easy it is to forget. Well, I think like I was watching this Netflix documentary called um, The Accountant of Auschwitz, which is interesting, but not to like dive super deep into it. But suffice to say, there's a moment where they're putting this guy on trial who they just found out that he was at Auschwitz when um, the death camps were going. And um, he's in his 90s at this Hmm. point. And so they bring in um, these surviving Jews who were at Auschwitz as basically testimony against him. And, and one of the ladies who was brought in, who's, you know, she was a child at the time. So she's probably in her late seventies, early eighties, whatever it would be. Um, but she, she got up in front of the court and she went up and then she embraced the guy mm-hmm. and just started talking about how she forgave him. And I was like, and in the moment I was watching, I was like, what a, what a, what a beautiful moment yeah. of um, being able to show grace to someone who, you know, doesn't deserve it because yeah. that's what grace is. But the whole um, next few minutes of the documentary were, talking about how she had no right to do that. And I mm-hmm. thought it was really interesting because we forget how uniquely Christian the idea of radical forgiveness is. Yeah, right. And that's so true. That's it's, a good thought. Yeah. So anyways, that's interesting. It's also a good documentary if you want to check it out, but uh, not for the children though. So in, um, <laughs> in Romans 4, uh, 22 through 25, um, Paul makes another point here about essentially tech talking about how even Abraham was justified by faith. Mm-hmm. And he says, this is why faith was counted to him as righteousness, referring to Abraham. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be count, counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus, our Lord, who delivered up our trespasses and raised for our justification, who was mm-hmm. delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So the idea here is Abraham existed before the law. You know the mo the yeah. law the mo the law came with Moses uh, when all that is we'll happening. We'll call it the mo from now on. The mo, you know, the mo law, the ten mo. Um, but you have like these pillars of the faith: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, yeah. the, the other sons of Jacob. Um, but let's be honest, not so much. Well, yeah, some of them. I mean, Judas seems to have been all right after mm. a while. He he makes mm. a bunch of mistakes though. But his line, yeah. boy, his line has some great people in it. Yes, he um, does. it's true. But the whole the whole idea there is essentially that. Abraham wasn't justified by the law because the law wasn't there. He was justified by faith. And that's hmm. the same, that's the same way yeah. that we're justified as well. So it's Paul basically making our, an argument that maybe we wouldn't make against justification by faith today, but was definitely relevant to the audience that he was speaking to at yeah. the time. All right. Last section that we'll go through. Um, and I apologize for this one because it's going to be a lot more like cursory overview because it's chapters five through eight. But essentially the uh the title of this one would be our hope is in God's salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aaron, if you want to read five verses one through six. Yeah, let's do it. It says this, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, 
we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. This is a stupid passage. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it says, an endurance <laughs> produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, the right at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. There's um this is a stupid joke, but I saw it the other day where they're talking about how did you know that um um the Bible actually says that you should be a Sith from like Star Star Wars, and the joke was that um fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, and suffering produces endurance, which produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out <laughs> to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So, oh, not actually saying you should cute. be fearful. And, and anger. I love that you're wearing a, a Star Wars shirt. Why I am. say that? So, well done. So, there you go. That's um, hilarious. But yeah, so like, but to get serious about this passage, um, essentially saying, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through mm -hmm. our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, it is an interesting, it's almost an uncomfortable truth that like what, what we are saved from is God's wrath. Yeah. And so, and we, and we don't talk about that very often, but it, it is, um, and to bring it back to Job because everything's in Job right now, but that's because you're living in Job right now. Um, but yeah, like, like the, the whole argument that Job is making in the book is that his troubles come from God and and he's right. In, in in one sense, like, yes, like the Satan is causing these things to happen, yeah, but, but God, God allowed is, him. Exactly. Um, and so for us today, like, it's it's not that we're being saved from like, again, like Satan just doing whatever it is. It's, it's that we're being saved from the righteous wrath yeah. of God. Not that it's wrong, but um, it is this interesting idea that really our, our salvation is completely contingent on God's mercy yeah. um, from that as well. So that's well, why- Well, it's also interesting just to remember, like God has not promised an easy life, right? And so yeah. uh, it's easy to take that passage and you take that thought for a second. It's like, well, then why does my life suck? Well, it has nothing to do with God's wrath in some respects, because if you're righteous, if you're, if you're righteous, you are spared God's wrath, which is the beauty of revelation, just to be honest with you, yeah. is revelation should bring us some joy and anticipation for when Christ returns, because it means we're not going to be subject to God's wrath because of our righteous standing in Christ. But it also means that our lives will be hard because he even talks about suffering. Like mm -hmm. we're gonna suffer, we're gonna struggle. There's gonna be realities. If, any, if there's ever a time to be talking about that as Christians, now is the time to be talking about that because the world we live in is, is in the midst of a pandemic and struggling. And so I, I just think it's important to remember, it doesn't mean life's gonna be easy, right? but it means that, that uh, we are spared the righteous wrath of God. We are spared the, the eternal punishment and, and destruction of, of those who follow. Which we deserve. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But because of grace, we, mm -hmm. don't, we don't get to walk into. So, so there you just be. Just worth making that point. Um, and that is <clears throat> highlighted a couple other things here. Um, I thought in Romans five, it's really interesting, just the contrast between Adam and Jesus, which is present in a lot of the new Testament, but mm -hmm. you know, we have, we haven't Especially really talked about it. Yeah. So it says in, in verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men. So one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And so it's there, a pretty stark, I mean, it's a pretty stark comparison. I mean, Paul's not just saying it flippantly. He's saying it intentionally to, to mm -hmm. challenge a Jewish audience to remember the fact that, listen, sin exists because of Adam, but it's no longer has its hold because of Jesus. Like a, there's a greater man to follow 
than the legacy history of the Jewish people because of Adam. Well, and one of the big one of the big themes of the New Testament is that Jesus is the better blank. Mm-hmm. But you could say Jesus. Like I remember, I really wish I could remember the pastor's name because I would want to go back and listen to this message. But the whole message was just Jesus is the better blank, and it was literally like probably an hour long message that was just five minutes after five minutes of. Jesus is the better Adam. Here's why he's the better Adam. Jesus is the better David. Here's why he's the better David. Jesus is the better. And he, he just kind of went through everything that yeah. was, and, it's, it's, and this is what Paul is saying, that Jesus is the better Adam. Um, just as Adam's sin kind of ruined it for everyone, uh, Jesus's selfless sacrifice has offered redemption to everyone. Yeah. So there you go. And then finally, our last uh, section of scripture that we'll talk about today is uh, Romans 6, 1 through 4. This is, I think, just an important thing that Paul really starts to hit on in these next few verses, because this next section through chapter eight is really about how do we apply the salvation that we have? Um, what does that mean for us today? Mm-hmm. And so he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the new, in newness of life. So, Paul anticipates people saying, like, well, since like we have infinite grace, we can just sin all that we yeah. want, right? And so... And that's a point he makes in... And one of the things that is very Pauline is he actually anticipates the the rebuttals or the questions that are going to be asked by, yep. his, by his audience. Um, or even future audiences. He he anticipates that. And I think it's probably through the the work of the Holy Spirit, giving him discernment and wisdom in that. But I think he he anticipates that and then he answers it. He doesn't wait for the question to be asked. He answers the question before it's asked yep. um, because people are going to think it. And so at the end of chapter five, he, he makes this statement that where sin exists, grace abounds. And so he continues that into Romans six, you know, so, well, since grace abounds in sin, shouldn't we just sin? And so more grace, well, like, absolutely not you morons. Like, yeah. uh, I kind of wish I could have heard be a fly on the wall when Paul actually was thinking this, this question and answer, but. But yeah. people, yeah. And people do say this, which is kind of funny. It's not like they don't say it in those words exactly. Um, but I do think what it is, honestly, is it's evidence of, um, it's probably evidence that you're not saved or at the very least that you mm-hmm. don't understand what's, what's Ignorance. going on. Cause it's kind of like, and I've, I've used this analogy before. Um, but it would be like if you committed adultery and your spouse, um, basically said, you know, I love you. We're going to work through this. I forgive you. Um, and I'll always love you. And you took that to mean like, so you mean I can go cheat on you whenever I want. Awesome. Like, like obviously that's not what that conversation yeah, is. Right. So, and, and just as that should not be your response to your spouse, uh, that should also not be your response to Christ. Yeah. So that's kind of one of those things. Um, and then, yeah, for the rest of the section, just to kind of go over it, uh, Paul reminds us that we're released from the law or in other words, that, um, not that the law is, completely done away with, but it's fulfilled in who Christ is, which is, a, you know, it's a difficult subject. We've talked about that a little bit, um, particularly on like the Leviticus episode that we did a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is finally, this is a, a, like you said, it's a very Pauline theme as well, but that we should walk with the spirit toward future yeah. glory mm-hmm. is, is one of the big themes of Paul that, um, being a Christian is not just that we're, and these are going to, we'll use some theological terms here. Um, justified means that, um, I mean, to put it really crudely, you're getting into heaven, right? Yeah. So when you die, you will be in relationship with God et- eternally. That's justification. Um, and, that, and that, just to be clear, that that is for those who respond to the gospel, 
you know, submit their lives to Christ, live according to him. That That's who's justified. Right. There, You may be listening today and you haven't decided to surrender your life to Christ. You're not justified, just to be blunt. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, just, want, just want to be, be clear. This is not a statement because sometimes you can take sound bites, but this isn't a statement that says that everybody is going to be in heaven. This is, this isn't, that's not the case. Right. Uh, yeah. I should, so I, I so. should say these are the two halves of salvation when we talk about what salvation is. Um, but the second half that we don't talk about as much is it's what's called sanctification. And mm-hmm. the idea there is that the longer that you're a Christian, the more and more like Christ you should become. Yeah. Uh, the more you should be growing, the more that you Maturity. should. Yeah, exactly. So you, people should be able to look at your life and realize that something is different by yep. the way that you treat them. So absolutely. there you go. The other thing I'll say too about that passage in, in Romans 6 um, this this is probably I think for me that that I can recall the very uh, probably the most clear communication about baptism that I remember reading, mm-hmm. and the ens- and the essence of baptism is not just some religious sacrament that we do because it's it's what we should do, but it really is this picture of when you stand public and when you stand in public and appear in public to confess your faith, you're saying I believe in Jesus. It's this picture of going into water, you're partaking with in, in Christ's death. That, that's what Paul's saying in verse four. We were buried therefore with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Yeah. This is the picture of baptism that I think is probably one of the most clear in scripture. Um, that is, that's why baptism is so powerful. That's why it's a celebration. That's why, you know, even as we get ready to celebrate baptisms on the 30th with some families and people, like there is this picture of baptism that I don't know, and I could totally be wrong, but I can't recall a more clear communication of what baptism really represents beyond just an obedient step uh, in faith. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so that wraps it up with part part one yes. of our Romans discussion. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be hitting it uh Next week as well with part two, we'll be talking about chapters eight through 16. Yep. Like we said, Romans is a, it's a dense a book, so book. it's going to take us a little bit to go through. Um, but before we move on, we had one question. Uh, well, we have a lot of questions. We have a backlog right now. So thank you for sending them in. Yes. Keep uh, sending them in. But we didn't. We're going to do a Q&A in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Just a podcast specific to your questions. So please keep sending them in. Exactly. We're not ignoring you. Uh, but I wanted to get one through today just because I thought it was a really interesting one. Um and also because it has to do with Job. I was going to say, because it references Job. Yeah. That's, that's really why. I mean, um, let's just be honest. But before we get to that section, I will say like, hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying it, you should leave us a five-star review. Yes, Because it, it helps get the podcast out there to more people, helps to grow this community. Um, yeah. So it just helps us out. So if you- Just if, helps to get the message out and the conversations out to a wider audience. If you've been liking what you're hearing and if you think more people would enjoy it, that's one of the easy, really passive ways to do it. The other thing you could do is like, you know, tell people about it and share so it. like, Hey, maybe you'll like it. So there you go. Do us a favor. Uh, so finally, the question this week is, you know, I love the way it's introduced supremely random yeah, this way is, this makes me laugh. to get to a question. Um, I just read Job 14, 10 through 12, uh, as part of today's reading plan. Good job reading with us. It didn't really jive with the life after death, uh, or even heaven idea. And then it struck me. Why didn't the Sadducees believe in life after death or the resurrection? So, Turn to Job, bro. Take it away. That is a weird one. Okay. So the first thing I'll say 
It, that's like literally like some of this like volley setting setting the ball to you so you can just jump up and slam it because you're studying Job right now. So. Well, yeah. Well, it's funny because like most of this question isn't actually about Job. No, but, but it references Job, which is why it's you. Yeah. So, uh, but I will say Job actually does allude to uh, some kind of afterlife in verse 12. Um, but it's certainly not the the fleshed out heaven that mm-hmm. we have today. Um, but to kind of read that section that was talked about. Uh, so this is Job 14, 10 through 12. But a man dies and is laid low. Man breathes his last and where is he? As w- waters fall from a lake and a river wastes away and dries up. So man lies down and rises not again till the heavens are no more. He will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. So a couple things there. Number one, when he's talking about a man breathes his last and where is he? His waters uh, fall and, you know, the river dries up. He's talking essentially about um, there's no, because op- in this section, he's complaining about the fact that there's no opportunity for him to prove that he is righteous before God. And he's mm-hmm. saying that when you die, you have no, there's no one yeah. left to be able to do that for you. So that's kind of what he's talking about there. Um, but yeah, verse 12, there's a few ways that you could read that. You could read it as a poetic way of saying like, you'll never wake up again. Or you could read it as, Literally, so a man lies down and rises not again until the heavens are no more. He will not awake. Or in other words, until not that Job would have had a full understanding of this, but until there's a new heaven and new earth. Um, Well, and that's, and that's the thing too, is like, I don't think Job is talking about the literal heaven and eternity. Right. One of the ways that they used to describe the different, the, the, with the stratosphere and the the sky and like, they talk about layers of heaven. They even, and I think it's one of the Corinthians, first, second Corinthians, it talks about the layers of heaven. Um, and it's not it's not a theological eternity conversation as much as a an observation which they declare the heavens above the earth like it's mm-hmm. it's this, this understanding of the clouds the sky the, the the space the stars things like that um, they talk about layers of heaven so when I think and I haven't done the research on this so you mm-hmm. can correct me but when Job is saying till the heavens are no more he's not talking about heaven no the spiritual exists. realm right yeah he's talking about the physical you know beautiful sky and landscape and mm-hmm. stuff that we see so. Yeah. So there you go. Um, obviously, the uh, we we get most of our theology about what happens after death from the New Testament. Not all of it, but the yeah. vast majority of it. And that's just kind of that's the way God chose to reveal it. So there so, you go. For what that's so the worth. question talk about the Sadducee part. Did we answer the Sadducees part? No. Why so that's didn't? so that's where the the meat of the question will be. Yeah. Um, okay. So other than the New Testament, our best source for who the Sadducees were um, is Josephus. And yeah, if you remember, it's an extra biblical book. Yep. If you don't remember who Josephus was, um, yeah, he's a historian. He's I'm I'm cranking this pop. You're in, uh, he was also a Pharisee, so he doesn't have flattering things to say about the Sadducees, but you know, he's what we got. Because Pharisees didn't like Sadducees, Sadducees didn't like Pharisees. Um, but he's also one of the main extra biblical accounts for, uh, the fact that Jesus existed because he's, it's kind of historically speaking. Yeah. So obviously we have the gospels, which are historical documents, Mm -hmm. but if you're wanting to say outside of the gospels, then Josephus is one of the main places you can go. Um, Okay, so what do we know about the Sadducees? Uh, We know that they're a religious political party of the aristocracy. Um, And so essentially what it means is that the Sadducees kind of started off where they were the they were the party of the priests. And a lot of this is going on when the Maccabees take over. So this is in between the Testaments, which is a little bit frustrating because we don't have a a biblical (laughs) a biblical layout of why they started. I know it is kind of it is kind of funny that. Malachi ends and then we open up Matthew and then it's like, oh, there's Pharisees and Sadducees now. So, Hello. Um, but we do know a, a decent amount of what happened I'm with them, I'm right? missing the middle book. I'm just kidding. Exactly. Um, and that's why, you know, like, not that it's scripture, but, you know, the Maccabees are good books to read because it gives, it, fi- it helps you fill in. The Middle Age Testament. Yeah. 
the, the Apocrypha, as it's often called. Um, so yeah, not that those books are bad. We just don't hold them to the same level as yeah. we would hold scripture to. Um, but anyway, moving, moving forward with all of that. So the Sadducees were the party of the uh, party of the priests, and they were less in number than the Pharisees, um, but they had a lot of power. And it is kind of funny because the way we think of Pharisees now, um, it is weird to think that the Pharisees really were the party of the people in the time. Yeah, of, it's crazy. Yeah, so they they the Pharisees are the ones that appealed to the common person, yeah. whereas the Sadducees were the ones who were more the the higher up. Jews who were, you know, the high priest, the nobility, that sort of stuff. Um, Which is funny that they didn't believe in resurrection. Yeah. Anyway. So, and this is where, again, we talk about it open-handed, close-handed. This is just speculation because the Bible doesn't say like, all the Bible tells us is that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Yeah, it's not, not like, much else. Yeah, it doesn't say, and here's why. So yeah. basically what I'm thinking about is, and, and I'm going to connect it to trends that we see today, which is kind of what I've alluded to earlier, but it's interesting today that when you look at Pentecostal and charismatic denominations, where they have the biggest foothold is in areas that are more impoverished. And so the, the idea is, you know, if you look at where, where Pentecostal churches are starting up, it's in South America, Africa, and uh, oppressed areas of Asia is mm-hmm. where they are. And what I think is interesting about that is that um, in those areas where life is objectively worse from a material sense and where oftentimes there's active oppression, what you see is people leaning more into the spiritual side hmm. um, of Christianity. Right. And that's not to say like, you know, in America we have like, like the Southern Baptists, I think are the most popular, yeah. like, you know, Southern Baptists, Presbyterians, not bad at all. It's just kind of, you can see where culture is coming yeah, from yeah, yeah. because in America, we're not super concerned with the afterlife because we're not anxious to get there or we're it's not true. anxious to have something better because life life is good. And yeah. that's um, that leads to its own set of problems. Mm-hmm. But um, but when you see these in, in, in poor communities and areas that are more, um, you need Jesus, I guess, in the here and now, you could say, um, or you recognize, I should say, you, your need for Jesus more yeah. in the here and now. What you see is a, a bigger leaning into the spiritual sense. And so if I had to guess, I would say the Sadducees are enjoying political power. Um, they have cultural power over the over what's happening. And they're very much, they very much talked with the Roman government all the time. And so they would make deals. Yeah. Um, I believe the Sadducees were the ones who kind of like pushed for the installation of the Herod Kings and stuff like that. But they're political movers. And so for them, they're not concerned about the resurrection. They're concerned about what's happening right now. Yeah, here and now. Whereas the Pharisees, who very much did believe in the physical re- resurrection, because it's the party of the people, because it's the party of the fishermen and the farmer and all these different people, um, they're more concerned with that. They're going to have a mm-hmm. more fleshed out view of what does the Old Testament say. Never thought so, about that. Yeah. So that's, again, that could very much be wrong, but... But I'll go with it. There's no like right answer. So it's just yeah. kind of like if I had to speculate. Sense. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a really good, you know, we'll just say hypothesis there. Like so, but yeah. There you go. Um both that I have anything to add. Welcome. Boom. Job, Sadducees, all the fun stuff. Uh, so it's a little bit of a longer episode as I'm looking, yeah, as I'm looking at the clock. Uh, but thanks for sticking with us. That wraps yeah. it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. We are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can check out all of our other resources and podcasts on our website at grove.church. Have a great week.